evening, everybody. It's Tracy here with the Lincoln Law Pod, and I have Jay with me for the first time this season. I yep. think, are you, are you Judge Jay for the Lincoln Lawyer? Of course, I'm guilty. Guilty. <laughs> yes. It's, where's your gavel? I need one. I, need I, I'm going to Amazon right now. Hold on okay. a second. Okay. Well, no, I will get one. And then okay. after I use it three times, you're probably going to be like, okay, that's enough. Put, put that put away. Your toy away. You need to yeah. Put your toy away. Well, I'm glad you're here to talk about the Lincoln Lawyer with me. We're going to talk about episode three. It's called Momentum. And it was written by Ted Humphrey, who you will hear from at the end of the podcast with some episode related questions. It's great getting some scoop from him. So we'll have some of that interview at the end of the episode. And it was directed by Aaron Feely. So there you have it. And we start out in the episode kind of on a desert road. The the screen filters a little hazy. It's a little different. You're not quite sure like where we are in time or what's going on, but Mickey's talking to Izzy as they're driving. So it's not super clear what is going on, but they're having a conversation and we're listening to the conversation. And basically the gist of it is you have to almost be a showman, he says, or a yep. showwoman, yep. the case may be, to like fake it till you make it. If, if you don't, if you're not feeling it, you have to, you still have to act like you have it and you know what you're doing and sh- have that presence. Can you think of another way to describe it? Uh, I think it's just like having a podcast. You, <laughs> you just... You fake it till you make it. And then hopefully everyone out there believes you know what you're talking about. That's what go. I do every time we talk. There you go. Nice comparison. I love it. But yeah, it's just a, a fun little conversation. And then we snap back into real time from wherever we were. And Mickey's getting out of the Lincoln. People are saying hi to him. It's just a real kind of upbeat time heading into the courthouse. People are glad to see him. You're back. That kind of thing. So it's fun seeing how much people like him. He's obviously, people are fond of him. You know, he's a likable yeah. guy. So celebrity. Yeah. Yep. So he heads into the courthouse and a, a, someone else greets him. His name is Tony. He's a fellow defense attorney. I think it's Tony Walsh. And he's talking, he's sort of bragging about how his case just got like a mistrial or whatever, because the crime lab was so backed up that the, the techs were dry labbing. Are you familiar with that term? I had to do a little research. Oh, I don't, I don't know anything about that stuff. <laughs> um, I, I did not either. So it's basically like giving results without actually doing an analysis or experimentation. So you obviously you can't allowed? do that. What the heck? <laughs> yeah. Wow. I don't, I don't wow. think that's allowed. So yeah, that's that's not going to fly. So yeah. So his, his case was just kicked out. And he tells Mickey that there's a memorial uh, tonight for Jerry Vincent at Casey's Grill. I think it is a bar. And a lot of other attorneys are going to be there and just sharing some memories and just honoring Jerry's memory that evening. And so, of course, Mickey will try to be there. And then, you know, being probably an an ambitious attorney. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Tony mm-hmm. says, Hey, if you need a second chair on that Elliot case, you know, everybody wants a piece of the pie. You know, Mickey's like, Yeah, uh, okay. <laughs> and they talk about catching a game together. So we'll see Tony later in the episode at the at Casey's Grill. But now Mickey has to head on in to court, court is in session. Court is in yep. session. 
he doesn't really have any information. So he's got to get up to speed really quickly. The judge gives Mickey some information to kind of get him up to speed. And it's with, it's, presumably this is a client he's worked with before, Kim Wagstaff. There's somebody. Yeah, there's history. There's history. Yep. She knows him. She's so relieved that he's there. You know, we got to remember Mickey's been out for a while. And if there are these clients that have relied upon him <laughs> again and again, they're very glad that he's back. So she had an interesting charge against her for lewd conduct for sunbathing topless on the beach. But what we find out is that Mickey is very clever. He's trying to get up to speed. She's nervous because she doesn't have cash money for bail. He says, this, you, you've had this offense before. You, you would have to have cash bail. And she's like, I don't have cash bail. You know, I can't stay here. I have you know, a thesis to defend in randomization in numerical linear algebra that would have been wow you went back and listened to that six times to get that right (laughs) it really it took about six times yeah because i would get the randomization and the algebra but not what's in between so that's all i remembered algebra that was all i needed to know some (laughs) some hip thesis on it it sounds pretty in-depth she's a smart smart lady but yeah she can't she can't go in jail she doesn't have cash she needs mickey to get her out of this so what's he gonna do well, clever Mickey finds yep. a way. He looks at the notes and so forth and notices there's no actual complaint listed for what she did for, for you know, sunbathing topless. Like when the cops came, she was in the water. So if they tell her to get out of the water to charge her and arrest her, they create the offense. There's no yep. record of the initial complaint. And that's what Mickey tells the prosecutor and she's like, oh, that's a question for a jury. You can't do that. You know, he's, and, and then even the judge is like, do you have a complaint written down, you know, from someone, a witness that complained? And of course she doesn't. And when the prosecutor suggests that's more of a, a jury issue, you know, Mickey's like, well, if you, you know, if that's what the judge wants to do, if yeah. she wants to take that time to have a Blake. jury trial Sounds and, you like- know, she's got a, a big docket for her day, a lot of cases. And, and, and Mickey knows that that's, this is just not the kind of thing that this judge will probably want to take time for. So once again, he finds a way to, to maneuver out of it. And legally, might I add, I think we need to stress that. So yes, Judge Medina, and she's like, yeah, you don't have time for this. And so she gives Kim Wagstaff another warning for how many ever times, tells her to keep her top on, and she's letting this one go. And then she reminds Mickey, it's not really a reminder because he doesn't even know, <laughs> but right? she tells she tells him that she's going to see him later in the day on another case. And he's like, oh, remind me, you know, what, what case is that? And it's for Eli Wims. And Mickey doesn't have a clue who that is, what case that is, but he plays along. Okay, judge, you know, I'll be back. So he's scurrying out into the hallway, trying to get in touch with Lorna. Who is Eli Wims? What is this? And she's got nothing either. So, Easy, right? Yeah. So, so, you know, what's, what kind of rabbit is he going to pull out of his hat this time? I don't know. We'll have to watch and see. You're going to run out of rabbit soon. Probably. I mean, you would think that's what makes it. You're only this good for so long. I mean, (laughs) that's what makes it so compelling. Is he going to get out of it again? Is he going to do it? Is he going to figure it out? So we, we shift gears and we're over at the grand jury for some, a suspect named Angelo Soto. And he owns a bunch of uh, elder care slash nursing facilities, like nursing homes. Maggie has put together evidence. She has a, you know, a key witness who's testifying to the fact that he's been bringing Filipino immigrants over to work at these facilities, not paying them, not even giving them their own food. 
we learn from the from David Lareska, he's the witness on the stand. We learn that they get to eat the table scraps that the patients have have left over. They so they don't even get their own meal. They're not getting paid, and they're not even allowed to talk to people, to other people. They have people that are watching them and and focused on making sure they don't talk to anybody and they don't. It's very tightly controlled situation. And I think he says that maybe every few months or something, a new group comes over. It's really heartbreaking, Jay. I mean, it's horrible. It's, you know, like you watch TV and you're, you know, you get involved and you become emotionally involved with like stories like this, because, you know, there's some factual basis to that story. Out it's there drawn from in somewhere. the real world. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, this is happening somewhere to some people. It hurts to yeah. like think about it like he's it doing that testimony and like i can remember thinking i know this is happening out there somewhere mm-hmm. and somebody probably isn't brave enough to come through to the people that are going through it right now oh yeah it's oof. right so this is this david Lareska on the stand he's the witness he's yeah he's being brave like you mentioned bravery by speaking up to this grand jury well for this human trafficking case so maggie gets a a quick text on her phone that Someone named Lankford needs to see her quickly in the hallway. It's an emergency, a 911. So she steps out and it's Detective Lankford, played by Jamie McShane, who a lot of people have noticed. We also saw in the Michael Conley Bosch series as Detective Francis Sheehan in one of the seasons on Bosch. Do you remember you remember that storyline, Jay? Do I do. I recognized him right away. Yeah, yeah. So a familiar face, different character. So he informs Maggie that Angelo Soto is flying out of the country today. And it's not that he's trying to escape. This is a sealed grand jury and no one knows, you know, they're trying to get the indictment, but he's going on a business trip. But once they do get the indictment, it will be public and he will not want to return. So they have to nab him before he leaves the country on this business trip, which pushes up their timeline very quickly. But she believes it can happen. When they're talking in the hall, as they're finishing up, Mickey, you know, has just gotten out of trial and with Kim Wigstaff and comes up to talk to Maggie and Langford's like, has this weird look on his face right away. And he's like, wait, you guys know each other. Are you doing a case together? And Mickey makes a joke. Well, we, you know, we have a daughter together. So he's really taken aback by that. And you can tell there's some kind of history there with he and Mickey. No doubt. Yeah. Like you can tell Mickey's not really happy to see him and he's not. Langford's not happy to see Mickey and it's awkward. And, and he really, Langford really is surprised. He had no idea that they had been married before. So Langford heads on his way and Mickey and Maggie just have a brief exchange. She does confirm for him that she did not tell the prosecutor Golance about Mickey's rehab. You know, he just wanted to know, did he hear that, you know, from you? And she's like, absolutely not, you know. But she talks about how I think I think back in, in, in the Bosch series, they would always say that the DA's office leaks like a sieve. Do you remember that expression? Yeah. So they, they have some other way of describing it in this show, something about high school with with bailiffs or something. It's funny, but basically news gets around. But she's not the one that, that told Golance. And I think as viewers, that's that's nice to confirm. That would be a crappy thing to do. So cool. good that we, we got that out of the way. And they're talking about Haley, their daughter's soccer game coming up over the weekend. And there's a little bit of tug of war kind of going on here. Can you kind of describe that, Jay? Like as far as what Mickey wants out of the weekend and the soccer game and what Maggie says. So sad, man. You can tell like 
he's made his turnaround in life and he's trying to at least somehow reconnect in a good way. Mm -hmm. And she is 10 feet away, Buster, 10 feet away. Mm -hmm. Uh, She's not ready to, to anything more than civil conversation. Mm -hmm. It looks like, and I, I I was hurt, you know, he's just (laughs) trying to do something after the game. Totally innocent, just a little family kind of thing. And she's like, "Mm, we'll see. She's like, we'll see maybe. But she, yeah, she definitely does not commit. And she's, yeah, there's just a lot of hesitancy there on her part, which it does hurt. But you, I mean, I guess we got to look at her side too. He's, it he's, is, but, but still, man, he's a, he's, he's a, he's a nice guy, man. Give him a, give him another chance. Come he on. He certainly on. does appear to be a really nice guy, but it's, just, it's, it's kind of sweet, but it, it's kind of, it, it's bittersweet for sure, because he's recalling these memories of how they would go out. For food afterwards he said you know just kind of being a little flirty but yeah she's just not she's not indulging in that flirtation so okay. hang in there mickey wait and see hang in there mickey we're we're rooting for you we're rooting for you so mickey heads out of the courthouse and he meets with griggs now jay you and i haven't talked about any of the weekend lawyer episodes yet this season what are your thoughts on griggs i don't like him <laughs> i knew that was coming <laughs> <laughs> I don't like him, man. I know he's got a job to do, but I, I don't like him. I, I think he's he's snarky. He's sneaky. I think he's got his own interests at heart. Uh-huh. Yeah, I don't like him. Okay. I don't like him. Why you, you tell me you like him? Tell me. Uh, I like the actor. So it's always hard for me. It doesn't to like, count. It I know doesn't it doesn't count. count, but it makes it hard for me. But I he he's not super likable at this point. No, he's very all business. And I was going to ask you, do you... Do you have any trust issues with him or do you think he's just kind of being difficult? I think he's just, I mean, I guess it's a little bit of both, but he's definitely, definitely difficult. You know, like I realize, you know, you you can't trust a defense attorney, right? I get it. That relationship's <laughs> always strained when it comes to the police. I get, I get it. But, mm-hmm. I don't, you know, you would, you would think that, I don't know, maybe he would be a little more forthcoming or, or gentle. I don't know the word. I'm cooperative. I don't know. Yeah. 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 And you know, so yeah. So, so far I don't like him. I don't like him. Well, he was, Mickey asked him about the list. He gave him the list of, you know, clients that might be a threat, you know, could have possibly murdered Jerry and then be out for Mickey as well, which Griggs warned Mickey about this. He said, you could be the next one. So this was, you know, this was basically his idea Mickey goes through with it. He goes out on a limb with Judge Holder to get her to approve sharing this list with him. But what does Griggs think of it? Nah, that wasn't help. I, that didn't help me. And see, I don't think I don't think Mickey should have shared the list. I don't want to go back in time too much, but I don't <laughs> think he should have. I don't. I don't like. Yeah. You don't need to do that. Uh, so yeah, uh, yeah. He, he could be a cooler dude right now, and he's not. So I don't. I don't like him. Yeah, I, I was just a little taken aback that it was just like, not thank you, but, you know, and I'm like, I know you're like, Tracy, come on, it's the real world, you're too nice, blah, blah, blah. But it just was so cavalier about it. Now, that didn't, that didn't help me, you know. But what he does have is a picture of some dude in a hat looking like he's sneaking through a parking garage. He said it's that not was creepy or anything. Yeah, it's not creepy or anything. Um, it was taken from some footage he says at the the parking garage where jerry vincent was killed so this is kind of like he has a suspect well mickey's like hey we have his assistant now that's coming into the office 
And I would like to show this to her to see if you know she recognizes anybody, you know, like my investigator to see it. And nope, Griggs is not going to hand this over. He's like, this is, you know, my only suspect right now. I'm not letting this go. I will you bring a what copy. I'm yeah, right. I see what you're saying. Yeah. He's he says he'll, he'll bring a copy over to the office. Okay. Don't hold your breath. That's all I'm saying. So that's, that's the exchange there. Also, we get uh, a quick trip with Cisco on his motorcycle driving past Bruce Carlin's house. Um, there are a lot of police there. He's like, what's up? Some, something has happened. Something is, is going down there. This is the Jerry's investigator that was briefly on the case. Didn't really have much information last time, last episode for Cisco, but you know, he's following up and now it looks like he's not there or something has happened to him. Meanwhile, Lorna has found a docket entry for Wims. So it's limited information, but they have identified, you know, it's Eli Wims. He's currently in uh, being held at Silmar, uh, like a mental health hospital. And she also identifies the prosecutor as being Haley's soccer coach. And she thinks, great, you know, a connection. But uh, Mickey's like, no, that might not be such a good thing. Now, Jay, how do you... Yes. Give me some, uh, give me some intel here. You are a soccer coach. That is true. And is this a good thing? Does it depend on what kind of soccer parent Mickey is? Well, that that's the thing. If if a parent has an issue with a soccer coach, it's usually on the parent. Usually, okay. right? Okay. So that okay. means something not good has gone on, and then they screaming at their kids, cussing their kids out on the sideline oh, instead of just having no. a, a good time on the sidelines or something. And that's bad news. And now we don't know what happened, but you know, Mickey's past not that good, right? Uh-huh. Had some issues, so Lord knows what he would have done. And right, and so, now they're going to be in court together. Uh-oh. So, quote, knowing someone or you know being an acquaintance is not necessarily a good thing, and that's basically what what Mickey tells her. So something's up there now. Cisco arrives back at the office and he has some updates for Mickey. It's kind of like update time at the office. Lorna gives him the docket entry. Cisco comes in. He has a video of Jerry at that casino. You know, we know Griggs did reveal that with GPS information, Jerry had been going home to the office and also several trips to this casino. And there's a video of him in his car outside the casino. A man walks up to him and hands him some papers and walks away. Very, very nondescript. I mean, you can't tell anything mm-hmm. from it. So uh, what, what are, do you have a red flag there, Jay? What are your initial thoughts? Like something's up or well, something? My initial thoughts were, okay, maybe this dude didn't just gamble all his money away. And this is some, you know, CIA drop location yeah. thing going okay. on. And so especially, listen, anytime here, here's a tip people out there. Anytime you're watching surveillance video or something, yeah, And the person is conveniently just outside of really being able to identify him on the camera. That uh-huh. means something is no good here. Okay. And that guy, you know, you could kind of see him there or whatever. No, there's something busy going on here. Okay. Okay. Yeah. We, we can't tell anything from it. Neither can Cisco or Mickey, but it's something they'll have Tracy. to explore it. Tracy. Yes. If you were to fly to Las Vegas. Right now, <laughs> okay. Yeah. Are you, are you going to go to a show? maybe go to a slot machine, maybe a cool restaurant, or are you going to meet some dude out in front and do some paperwork switcheroo and then get back on the plane and come home? Like, come I on. mean, no, that would not be my plan for a, for a fun visit, you know, for, for entertainment. No, that would, 
That would be odd. Now, unless maybe my rental car broke down and this was a new car and the guy was giving me the agreement to sign. They delivered the car to me. Okay, but you're but Jerry, but you're Jerry stretching. has a car. Jerry, Jerry <laughs> lives there. It's in LA. He has a car. So I don't think it's that kind of scenario. So yeah, something's up. We got to figure out what it is. Mickey's got to figure out what it is. He also tells them he learned that yeah, Bruce Carlin is missing from his home. There's a bolo, be on the lookout for Bruce Carlin. Interestingly, his Corvette is still at his house. So Cisco says that suggests that he does not want to be found. They speculate, why would he be on the run? What does he know something? And, you know, Cisco says, maybe he knows who killed Jerry. Maybe he's got some real serious information. So Mickey asked Cisco to get with his LAPD source about that photo because it still hasn't shown up at the office. So he basically gives him a quick rundown and says, talk to your source, see if I can get, get a copy of this photo for you to look at. Well, they're finishing up for the evening and Cisco's about to go. And there's a, an exchange in Mickey's office. Do you want to talk about that? Yeah, I didn't expect this one. <laughs> I did not expect this one at all. And you know, Cisco... He's the tough dude, but I didn't really catch him as the concerned tough dude. And okay. I think that's what's going on here because it's a gun. It's Giving a gun. him a gun because there's too much going on, too many unknowns. Better safe than sorry kind of thing. So he leaves him a gun. Mm-hmm. Does Mickey even know how to use a gun? I, not to my knowledge, but yeah, we. he doesn't act like he does because he's like, put that away. I don't want that, you know. So he's not interested in it, but Cisco insists on leaving it there and he says, you know, he puts it in the drawer. So, hmm. Does that mean Cisco's more nervous about this whole case than it does? Case? Yeah, I think yeah. it does. Really, yeah. you know, like he Cisco's kind of cool dude, suave dude, tough dude, smart dude. Didn't really see him as a concerned kind of dude. And here he is, definitely concerned if he's handing over some hardware. Yeah. Well, it's in the drawer now. Mickey heads back out because he's got to go. It's the afternoon. He gets to see Judge Medina again about and uh, this time for the Eli Wims case. So he walks in. There's Joe. She is the prosecutor. And yes, she's Haley's soccer coach. So hello. Hey there, Joe. <laughs> you want to talk about it a little bit? Weird reunion that must have been. I mean, it was obviously a little awkward there or whatever. And she was very like, oh, my God. And she brought up what that he, he, he screamed at a ref or something that he remembered a year later or whatever. So like, again, parent on the sideline doing something, whatever. Yeah. And prosecutor attorney, what it leaves a bad taste in people's mouth. And now here they are in the courtroom together. I just thought it was a very interesting dynamic. Yeah, for sure. But overall, they're pretty jovial about yeah, it. Yeah, I thought, I thought once they got kind of past that, you know, he made the comment like, I'm not the same guy. He kind of like his Mia yeah. culpa, whatever. And, yeah. and she, she accepted it, which yeah. I guess she didn't have to, but she did. Yeah. Uh, so, no, I mean, uh, at least there's uh, some semblance of goodness between the two. Stuff. Yeah, it seems like it'll be fine. It's almost like the elephant in the room, one of those things. If something's happened on the field right. or at a right. party or where, you know, with two people and you have to kind of like just address it first and then move forward. So, and like you mentioned, it sounds like that was probably during the time when Mickey was yep. uh, maybe with the pills or something and wasn't really his, his usual charming self. So 
who knows but he he has to rely on her to get information about this case you know because he doesn't have much he to got go nothing. on yeah, yeah he's got nothing and so she she gives him uh the rundown um they talk about eli wims was a, a sniper in iraq and he went out to this park his wife had kicked him out apparently and so he goes out to the park you know drinks some beers and starts shooting uh some things and so someone hears the gunfire calls in the deputies and when he sees the deputies coming in i guess like kind of swarming in or whatever he just snaps i don't know what you want to call it Um, but he unloads like they said 90 plus rounds of ammunition and no one was hit thank goodness but she also mentions you know and then jerry took over this case and Nikki's like, what? It was originally a public defender and they were going to have a plea deal. I mean, what else could you really do in this case? I mean, if a guy's, you know, known to have shot off 90 plus rounds. No chance there. Yeah. So they they were going to go with a plea agreement, but Jerry stepped in and took it over and and Nikki's like, well, why? You know, and she said, I guess he wanted the pro bono hours or something. It, you know, it, it, it seems fishy, but they, they sent him, I guess, Jerry sent him out to this mental health hospital to be tested and it looks like he's been drugged up because we, we didn't mention that Mickey did walk by. Is it like a holding cell? What do you call that when all the. I don't know what you call that, but a holding something. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and he tries to call to Eli Wims like, you know, like he did with Terrell Coleman last episode. Hello, I'm Mickey Holler. I'm your lawyer. No response whatsoever. It's just a complete zoned out. Yeah. Completely. Zoned out. Yeah. yeah. So he's completely non-responsive. Um, and so he, you can tell he's been drugged up. And interestingly, Joe, the prosecutor, mentions to Mickey that she heard, I guess, from the police department, heard somehow that he was tested and was competent, but then he was still drugged up. So why, why is that? You know, that's fishy. Something's going on there. And Mickey's just beginning to try to put the pieces together. And the, the judge comes in. And it was kind of funny because she's like, oh, my dreams have come true. I get to see you again, Mickey. She, she's got a good personality. I like her. But they they talk about, you know, maybe doing a plea agreement. And Mickey says, no, that wouldn't we couldn't we can't do that. It's not not that it's just not fair, but it could come back to bite them if he negotiates on the behalf of his client and his client has no knowledge of what decisions are being made, you know, so they're going to have to wait for him to clear out these drugs out of his system so he can actually talk to someone. Um, so that is put aside for now. Anything else about that um, that court appearance that we need to share? Oh, I like it. You like it. Okay. All right. Well, we know there's a soccer game coming up uh, soon. So I get, we'll probably see Joe again, don't you think? Yes, have to. I think. Yeah, I, w- I want to see that. I hope we get to see the dynamic on the yeah. soccer field. Yeah, not just the court, but the, the soccer field too. Lorna is back at the office working on stuff with for, about Jan Reels. You know, they, they haven't figured out, they don't have a lot to go on to defend Trevor. So they're starting to try to point the finger at someone else. Maybe Jan was the target. Maybe they could try to show that Jan was the target. So she's looking through some of his records. Ren is there, um, the assistant. She's cleaning out his things. Um, she gets that fish from the wall keep showing that fish my mom when i was watching my mom she noticed that too she's like something's going on with that fish yeah i mean do you remember they just kept showing it Mm -hmm. and then she takes the fish it says things would have been a whole lot better if i had kept my mouth shut yeah or something (laughs) like that yeah Yeah. so she takes the fish because jerry loved it you know so she's got to take it too and 
Okay, so yeah, she's there collecting things. She takes the fish and she's just kind of a, she's kind of a quirky gal and she's just kind of curious about what Lorna's working on and Lorna tries to explain about third party culpability defenses and kind of tries to explain what she's doing. And as she's going through Jan's record, she stops. Lorna sees a $25,000 check was written by one money. of his clients. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So Big what's up money. with that? $25,000. Right. Yeah. So she thinks I need to investigate this. She can't reach anyone. I think she tries to call Cisco, I think, but she heads out on her own and goes to this insurance company to meet Carol Dubois. And she tells her that she's basically, um, you know, that, that she's why she's there, that she's trying to learn more about, you know, her relationship with Jan and notice that there was this large check. And she says that it was written to help him build a yoga re retreat in Joshua Tree. And then Lorna keeps probing a little bit more. And she's like, yeah, we're, we have the feeling maybe he had, you know, special private relationships, or whatever, with other clients. And the Carol gets kind of defensive. And she's like, oh, you mean like Nima Shavar? And she just starts to get, how would you describe it? Yeah, fra frazzled, rattled. Frazzled, kind yeah, of jumpy or whatever. Yeah. And Lorna is, is taken aback. Something about it bothers her. And, and uh, she says she needs to scoot on out of there. And she, she does. She gets out of there fast. So she does end up telling Cisco about it later. And he ends up telling Mickey about it later. This Carol Dubois, you know, what's up there with giving him $25,000, you know, for a yoga retreat. And Cisco also looks into the Nima Shavar name that Lorna picked up. And that woman is or was married to Anton Shavar, who owns a private security company. They, they pull up like his website and stuff. What kind of vibe did you get from this guy? Wasn't intrigue. Is that a good vibe? I don't know. You know, like something. You, th you thought it was in, there was some intrigue or not? Yeah. yeah like, there was. Uh, there's, there is maybe like a question of intrigue is the best way to put okay. it. Like, is okay. there something here? Because it seemed kind of, what's the word? I can't remember the word they use, but kind of like a guy with skills <laughs> kind of thing. Like right. almost like could be, you right. know, dangerous or something. I don't know. So Cisco wants to zone in on what's going on there, but. Uh, I think so. Because he, he, the first time we hear Jesus is at the grill. Okay. So I'm going to pretend like I'm back. Lorna has seen the insurance person. She scooted out. Um, and then we see Mickey is sharing some goat tacos uh, from a food truck with Izzy. They've got the, the back of the Lincoln open. They're just taking a break, having some lunch. And he says, these are like life-changing tacos. And she's impressed. I mean, wanted some so badly, I, you know, like <laughs> I forgot I mean, you're a taco person. It's just a taco. I know, but those darn food trucks out there, <laughs> I know that they're good. And oh man. Yeah, well, she's impressed and they they talk a little bit about Mickey's past and because she's like you seem like seems like he knows LA really well and he said he spent after his parents divorced he spent the summers there with his dad and spent um, the rest of the year in Mexico with his mom but he was still drawn back to LA um, as an adult so yeah he does seem to know a lot about the town and all the good places to eat it just uh, it seems like it's kind of a, a part of him so that, you know, he gets to share a little bit of his personal story with Izzy over some tacos. Uh, now, Jay, we got to tell the folks you would not, what was your, what would be your favorite topping on those tacos? Would it be sour cream? You don't put sour cream on tacos. You don't do it. 
God. It gets him angry every time. You just if you go mentioned... back and watch this scene and make sure I don't see any. Yeah, maybe cream. maybe you should. There's no, there is no way. No, Mickey I don't think would there not is. put sour cream on those mm-hmm. tacos because you know why? Listen, people, sour cream ruins the entire <laughs> taco. The point of the taco is for the crunch of the shell, the fiery meat, the the cheese, whatever vegetables may you, you don't put something on there that dilutes the flavor of the entire okay, taco. And if these are life-changing tacos, you certainly do not put any sour cream on it. All right. Why you got to get me riled up, crazy? It's just fun, entertaining. <laughs> it's about tacos. <laughs> well, that night, after these life-changing tacos, Izzy drops Mickey off at Casey's Grill for this memorial for Jerry Vincent. Uh, hey, saying hello to all the different attorneys. They're glad to see him. Ren is there, still crying and upset. Feel bad for her. She's missing Jerry. Then Tony Walsh is there from earlier. He is. And he asked Mickey to give a speech. And he does. Uh, it's a nice little talk about taking different cases and how sometimes you take the big cases because, you, you know, it pays the bills. And then there's sometimes little cases that, you know, Maybe no one knows why you took them. You know, it is kind of representative of what Mickey has seen so far with Jerry's caseload. But he, he shares some nice thoughts for Jerry. Everybody claps and he goes to sit down. He seems like he's a little, you know, just kind of needs needs a minute, you know. Yeah. And yeah. Izzy had been concerned about dropping him off there, period, because it's a bar. And he's like, no, no, alcohol is, is never my thing, you know. But who knows? Maybe he is a little stressed about that. But she had been concerned. So he sits down. Uh, just to take a breather and who comes around the bend detective Lankford that we saw earlier in the day I don't like him either and even even like stopping to say hello he's not just stopping to say hello you can tell right away that dude always has a motive yeah a motive he's there to push some buttons Mm -hmm. he brings up again you know what did what did Maggie see in you and uh, Mickey plays it off really well oh that makes two of us you know he's he's trying to stay good natured and not let this guy get to him but you can tell he's just going to keep pushing. And then he's like, oh, hey, how about our friend Jesus Menendez in Calipatria? Say hi to your boy for me or whatever, something like that. And Mickey just looks, I don't know, how would you describe that look? It's hurt. I don't know, messed up, like screwed up in the head from it. I, yeah, I don't it's, know it's, how, a, yeah, it's like alarming to him just to hear the name. Yeah, like It almost seems like it's something, whatever's going on, it seems like something he's pushed it's back. It's a trigger. Yeah, yeah, trigger. yeah, it does. It seems like a trigger. And then Langford walks away and, you know, of course he confirmed he's not there to, you know, to give honor to Jerry. He's there with some cops, you know, the good guys, I think is what he calls them or something. So yeah, he's just, he's just being rotten. So that's a brief encounter. But at that point, you know, Mickey has seemed bothered about something. He goes over to the bar. He orders a shot and a, a glass of beer. I think it was good. And we're like, Oh boy, you know, did this guy just push him? off the wagon what's going on but not too long after izzy shows up with some coffee and she's she pulls the drinks away and they talk about rehab she tells some stories or things she learned in rehab he's like yep i heard that too yep they said that to me too and she you know asks him well why did you have the drinks you know why do you have them there if it if it's you know because he's saying it's not a problem he wasn't going to drink them and he says that He's trying to prove to himself that he that he could avoid them, you know, that he could abstain. Dangerous man. Got to be careful. Yeah, Mm. it's like he's testing himself. And why? Because he just wants to know that he can show Maggie that he is he is back. He's clean. He's capable. 
of having, you know, the joint custody with, for Haley. And Izzy's like, you know, that you can't do it for someone else. You know, it can't be you're, you know, you're cleaning up and avoiding alcohol or, you know, drugs and so forth. For Maggie, you, you've got to, you know, want this completely for yourself, you know, first. Kudos to Izzy. I like yeah. her. Yeah. I always yeah. say I don't like people. I like Izzy. You like her. Yes. I like Izzy. Yes. Good. Well, he asked her a little bit about her history because he had, you may recall earlier in the episode, he had looked at a car as he was coming in. It looked like there was like a sleeping bag and pillows and, you know, food wrappers and things, you know, like someone had been living out of it. And he asked her about it. And sure enough, that was her car and it had the dance sticker on it. And she talks about bumper sticker and she talks about her dance career, how she toured and was with all these, you know, pop stars and she was a backup dancer going to all these places and drugs were always around. She never had a problem with it, never, you know, indulged. But then when she um, injured herself and had to take pain medicine, she was so concerned about missing work, about not being able to tour that, you know, the pills got her and she became addicted. It's interesting that the same day they've both given bits about their story to each other. There's, there's definitely some mutual support there. And we learned more about Izzy too. So the next day, Trevor Elliott has carved out his whole day for Mickey. So we spend a lot of time with the two of them together. Mickey goes to Trevor's office and says, let's take your car. We need to go out to the beach house. And Trevor's not thrilled about it. Like, why are we going out there? And do you want to talk about the car, Jay? That's car. Yeah. What a cool, what a, you got too much money car. (laughs) But damn, it looks cool. Yeah, I bet it's super fat. Yeah, I, I would take one of those. I it's a Fisker yep. and super fancy, but yeah. hot tip. If you guys have not listened to my interview with Christopher Gorham, who plays Trevor, that's like a, a prop car. I mean, you know, you see the bells and whistles and how fancy it's supposed to be, but it's actually like a golf cart engine in there. It, it hardly that's goes sad. at all. What's it's that? so sad. That's it's so, so sad. sad. I know. It, it, you know, when you hear the truth, and it's actually a really fun conversation that I had with him about this car, because you know he talks about how it almost wouldn't even get up on the highway, and that you couldn't open both doors at the same time. I mean, it's it just you know, it sounds like a real lemon <laughs> the way he describes it, but boy, did it look good on screen. And then the you know, of course, the real cars are are fabulous and and have all those luxuries but it's it, that's the magic of hollywood jay it's true that's yeah. true hey you know the only other person that i know that that drives or at least drove a fisker i only yeah. know one person justin bieber oh yeah <laughs> interesting tidbit little trivia there for you the only other one jay's known to drive a fisker justin bieber there you go um, um I, I mean i'm so not wealthy that i i never even really heard of them i had to do a little research <laughs> right right <laughs> But they take that fancy car out there and he finds out why when they get there, Mickey says that he wanted to see how long it took. If it was 40 minutes or less that they had to, you know, prove whether or not he could have gotten there in time to commit the murders. And it looks like there was enough time. But on the way there, they have some interesting conversation. Uh, Mickey's asking him some questions, probing. Trevor says, I did not know about the affair. He also brings up that he wants to speak on the stand, you know, that he's concerned about public opinion and, you know, social media, what they're saying about him. You know, he's totally has this acquisition coming through 
and you know needs to have needs to look good in the public eye and mickey like right away is like no 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 no. We, this is you don't want to go on the stand if you don't have to like you know we're going to avoid that but so yeah, you want to win who, yeah. who cares you want to win yeah. Like, yeah but he wants it all you know so it, it's it, they're not agreeing on that they get to the house and trevor says you know we came i came here to reconcile with her that i wanted you know things to work he does this really crazy handprint thingy like to access the house and those from my house i know yeah so that's that's pretty cool and he re- basically relives the scene walking mickey through the house and he in the bedroom he talks about how he found them and his emotions it's very emotional and it you know yeah. it gets to him and he heads back outside but mickey just probes further you know he says, but wait a minute, the cameras were off. And he's like, well, yeah, that she wouldn't want to be having a record of, of cheating on me. Right. Mickey's like, but hey, you're a tech guy. You would know if the cameras were off. So, you know, tell me, how can you say you didn't know about this affair? You know, that was suspicious that the cameras were off. And finally, he admits that he did know about the affair. So he has already lied to Mickey. He did know about the affair, but he says he had also cheated on Laura. And, you know, he just he understood he just he would forgive her he wanted them to to reconcile and make things right he he puts you know he even puts the blame on him for working so much and being away kind of kind of gives her an out for the affair and that just wants to start over start fresh you know go out there he was going to take her on a, a fun trip or something and just you know turn things around well he gets uh he gets pretty feisty on this conversation outside you know, yeah. about the cameras and about the affair and finally admitting that he did know he, he it just it gets him riled up. And Mickey points out that he had been kind of testing him this whole day that like going through the murder scene and describing it and walking through the house, the way he talked was was kind of like what you would do on a direct testimony. And he said he did great, you know, that did a good job. But then he says, when I was probing you about the camera and did you know about the affair and, put, you know, testing you like it didn't add up, it didn't make sense and you got angry, that's what they're going to do on cross-examination and you did not do well. In fact, you failed. <laughs> so, um, yeah, Mickey's got uh, his hands full. I don't trust him. No, he's got his hands full. Then we get to see Lankford and Maggie waiting outside for Soto to come out and um like we said they he does eventually come out and they make the arrest but before that they're just having some personal exchange you know while they're waiting and again you know langford seems like he's trying to get more intel on why she was with mickey you know right. i'm like that's like, kind yeah. of creepy to me i don't know it's like just <clears throat> let it go yeah yeah it is because then you got to wonder like why are you really asking yeah yeah mm-hmm. and so maggie obviously sees that there's some kind of history there. And he said they didn't really work on a case together, that Lankard was a supervisor on a case that Mickey was was working and mentions that it was for Jesus Menendez killing prostitute and that Mickey got him 15 years in prison that basically, you know, Mickey made a deal and this, you know, saying this horrible killer is only going to be in jail for 15 minutes uh, or 15 minutes. <laughs> That's a hell of a sentence, 15 minutes. <laughs> Even I could probably survive. <laughs> you could probably handle that. that. <laughs> right. 15 years. Oh, my goodness. Well, there you go. So back at the, he gets back to the office. Like I said, Cisco had talked to Mickey about uh, Carol Dubois and Shavar, Nina Shavar's husband, who was the PI. We mentioned that a little while back. And 
Cisco's not really concerned about the Carol Dubois person. It sounds like Lorna is, but Mickey's more concerned about this uh, husband of Nima Shavar that could be very angry about her husband having private time with the yoga instructor. Right. He might be their guy. But anyways, Mickey's ready to hunker down. He's like, he's got to find this magic bullet or at least get through on the Elliot. He's got to get through on the Elliot trial. He's got to find something to go on. He's had this whole day with Trevor and he's getting mixed messages. He's already lied to him at least once. He, he's got to find a defense for this guy. He's just, I mean, he's struggling and he's going through all the files and we get more images of him on this desert road driving with Izzy. Again, we don't know really when or where it is, but they have this ongoing conversation and he's telling her that it's like a puzzle. You have to find if something's missing. Is it something really buried that you have to uncover? Is it something that you just haven't noticed? He's talking about puzzle pieces that fit too easily can be yeah. a problem or when they don't fit, you know, it can be a problem, but he's just, he's not getting anywhere. He's frustrated. And he says in that conversation in the, the Lincoln that sometimes you need to stop and step away. St- writes the date of the Trevor Elliott, of the Laura Elliott and, and Jan Reel's murder, September 6th, and just circles it and just pushes back his, his chair. And he's like, I'm going to shift gears. He's just going to pick up that Eli Wims information, you know, sometimes you just need to step away from it. And he opens it up and boom, he notices that the, those cases were on the same day. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah. So at 2.35 a.m., Eli Wims was arrested for firing off all that ammo. And at 11.47 a.m. on September 6th, Trevor was arrested for the murder of Laura and Jan. So it doesn't really tell us how they're connected, but that's something. You know, he, he's seeing pieces that fit together in a way he had not noticed. What are the odds of Jerry having two cases the same, you know, from the same day? And he knows that Jerry picked up the whims case. Like he didn't have it initially. So he sought it out. So he, there's gotta be something there. So the wheels are turning. Mickey wants to get on the road. You know, he likes to have that, that motion of the car. He just wants to get out and see if he can think even better. And he calls Cisco and he's, he's so excited. He's like, I found the magic bullet and he's rushing out to the parking lot. And he sees what looks like that guy from the photo what the heck following what? him and the guy starts to come after him and then mickey starts running back to the office he gets to the door and he drops the keys jay that gets me every time the keys i mean it happens in all shows and movies but it gets me every time it stresses yeah. me out so much he drops yeah. the keys oh yeah but he gets in he gets in he gets that gun out of the drawer starts firing at the door and says yeah get out of here and it, it seems like someone has run off so he calls griggs and says, I think that guy was here. I think he was following me. He came up and I shot at him. And then he's like, oh my gosh, you have a gun. You know, no, that, you know, why do you have a gun? But, but, but I'll get there right away. It'll take me about 10 minutes. He says, try not to shoot me, you know? So, and that's where we end in the credits roll. Oh, dang credits. Couldn't <laughs> wait like 10 more minutes. Could you give us 10 more minutes, Ted? Right. But no, we got to right. wait until the next episode. Fortunately, it's Netflix and you can move right onto it and you guys probably have, but our focus is on this episode right that's right. Now, and that's where that's it right. is. But um, yeah, so there's just tons of high energy right there in the last few minutes. He's got the high energy over, you know, finding that there's some kind of connection here that these cases, you know, from the same day and he's excited about that. And then he gets this totally 
different kind of adrenaline rush when he's scared for his wife running back to the office. And I mean, I don't think we've seen, yeah, we definitely haven't seen Mickey in this kind of panic. You know, oh, he's been kind of Mr. No. Cool as a cucumber, figuring things out, you know, yeah. just yeah. steady, you know, and boy, he, he's, he's flustered. He's scared. And that's what it meant to yeah. some guy chasing me in the parking lot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, oh my gosh. Like one of my worst nightmares. I, I'm not going to drive my keys though. I would not have dropped my well, I probably would have. See, I'm, I'm not fast. I'm a little clumsy, and I probably would drop the keys. Well, let's move over to a little cross-examination. We've kind of moved through the episode. What happened? What Do you have a question for me? Some cross-examination about the episode. I was about seeing Mickey frazzled there kind of at the end. Uh-huh. This poor guy, a year out of his little debacle, just coming back into law. All the things that just happened in this episode. Why isn't this guy cracking? Ah, good question. Why isn't he cracking? Yeah, he's faced a lot in this this episode. He he gets, um, yeah, Kim Wagstaff, he doesn't know anything that happened. He has to get the rundown on that really quick. Has to be slick and get her out of that. He gets this Eli Wims case. That he knew nothing about. He knew nothing about. And uh, and, and he's going up against... (laughs) His soccer, soccer coach, coach who's still mad at him yeah he has like, to go to this bar which this is a you know recovering addict going to a bar has to give a speech you know and of course he has some emotion about jerry i mean it's not like they were super tight but you know he they lost someone you know so there's emotion around that this guy langford comes in and gives him the jab and brings up some kind of memory that's yep. that's upsetting to him he tests himself with you know with alcoholic beverages and goes to work with his big, big client, the, supposedly the money maker of this whole thing. And he finds out he's, he's lied to him. Um, can't think of a defense for him. Goes back, you know, tries to work through and he finds this connection. So then boom, one good thing happened. Jay, one good thing happened. He made this connection. He's excited. And then that is so short-lived. It is so short-lived. Right. Chased in the parking lot. I mean, I know that really didn't answer your question. I just sort of gave a sort of, fleshed out your comment but it is it is surprising i mean that he that he didn't i mean why how do you think he holds it together i i think like a normal person (laughs) would have cracked halfway between in between all this stuff yeah yeah like what's what's the motivation to not crack i mean maybe that's maybe we're learning what another thing that makes him so special we talk about how clever he is but and and he we have seen him juggling a lot, but they've tipped they've been cases and family so far. Now he's juggling even worse things. It's all he, over the place in this episode. Holy yeah. moly! So like I'm stressed I'm, out from this episode. Just talking about it, <laughs> right? Out, and I so. have nothing to do with it, but I'm stressed out about it. Are you sure? Are you sure you have nothing to do with it? Are you somehow involved in this, Jay? Not that I'm aware of. <laughs> or I plead the fifth, one plead or the, the other. Fifth. Yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, it, it's sort of a rhetorical question, I know, but it's definitely a good question. We're getting to know him better, and he has some kind of skill of, of holding it together. But but yes, how, how long will it be? Will there be something that makes him crack? Yeah. Well, I have a question for you. Yes. Um, a, a prediction at this point in this episode, do you think there, did you think there could be anything redeeming about Lankford? I don't like him, like I said, but I love Jamie McShane. But the actor is amazing. But it... it I know you said you, you didn't didn't like him, but a lot of times in stories, we don't like someone and they have a redemption story. It's funny because the other question that I was going to ask you has to do with him too. Oh, um, okay. Um, and so 
I'm going to say, no, there is not anything redeeming about him. Um, and the, and the reason why goes into kind of the question that I was going to ask you. And it was kind of, kind of the, a similar question, like maybe more so of, is he just an overall bad dude? Like we can't trust him as it goes along or something because the thing that bugged me the most about this episode, right. Uh-huh. Uh, was the talk at the bar. Right. Okay. Yeah. Completely mm-hmm. the talk of the bar. I realize they, they know each other, not from something positive. I understand that. But Tracy, I've known you for years now. I consider you a good friend, a good person. And when you when you're when you're a friend with someone and you can have a conversation, you can you can bring up touchy things between mm-hmm. one another because you know like you get over it the next yeah. day, whatever. But at no point ever would I come up to you and be like, what the hell did your husband see in you, Tracy? I know, what? it's horrible, like, it's horrible. You, you wouldn't, and, and see, that's why, that's why I don't think there's anything redeeming. And that's what I was going to ask you about, because even though I could ask you a question like that, as inappropriate as it is, I know that I could, but I wouldn't. Right. So yeah. how, even if you don't like this guy, why would you go up to somebody and like, what kind of person does that make you? So, Every, yeah. Everything he said, it was a brief conversation, but every statement he made was pushing a button. The, the, the comment about Maggie, um, the comment about uh, sitting with good cops, you know, not these weasel defense attorneys, not there to memorialize Jerry. No, none of that. And then he brings up obviously some kind of trigger, some kind of case that, you know, is upsetting to Mickey. That was like those, that's like the three things he said. Every single one of them was, was rude. And maybe he is a great cop. I, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> There's nothing. I just think he's, so far. He's the worst. Like, you know, you asked do. me about Griggs earlier on. And yeah. like compared to Langford, Griggs is my, my BFF. We're like, oh, yeah. you know, <laughs> yeah. we're real. Yeah. No, it's, 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 you're right. I mean, we don't necessarily know a whole lot about Griggs right now, but I would take him in a heartbeat at this point over Langford. So, okay. I think we're on the same page there. Well, let's talk about our star witness who doesn't actually have to be a witness in any case. It's just what we call our, our person from the episode that either had like some type of pivotal impact on the story or just had a big impression, a big impression on the episode. I have one person in mind. And if you, if you <laughs> steal this person, Tracy, I'm going to go to your husband and ask him what he sees well, in you. If you only have one. <laughs> yeah, there you go. I'll, yes. Okay. Fair enough. I have two listed because I'm afraid we could have the same one. So at least I have another one. So go ahead. I'm going with Izzy. (laughs) She was my first choice. (laughs) See, we're in tune. There you go. Go Tracy. But tell, tell us why. I'm sure we have a lot of the same reasons. You you know, if, if, if nothing else, just the scene, her coming into the bar Mm -hmm. and just like taking care of him in the situation. Mm-hmm. Like they only sort of know each other still, whatever. Right. And of course, like they're sort of on some of the wavelength when it comes to the addiction recovery stuff. Sure. I get it. But like she was there mm-hmm. and we, I mean, I'm making the assumption, no, he wouldn't have drank anything. Everything would have been fine regardless, mm-hmm. but what a, what a hero in that moment. And then yeah. being able to kind of redirect him on the things too, that are most important. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And then, and then not only that, I think, you know, you take the, the hazy scenes of her driving him around in him, mm-hmm. you know, giving talking back and forth. Yeah. If nothing, if nothing else, him talking out loud is, is prompting something more to happen within himself. Mm-hmm. Like the whole, she's, she's my hero. I, I love her to death. I I'm, I'm sorry. I have to pick her. Oh, I was, I, I had her as my first choice too. She's definitely supportive we can see that she can be a sounding board. Sometimes you just need to talk out your thoughts, you know, to right. kind of make sense right. of, of stuff. And yeah, so definitely, definitely a great choice. So my second choice, which again, a, a, our star witness pick does not have to be someone we like, or I picked Trevor Elliott because yeah. he, he just unloaded a lot of information and some of it was true yeah. and some of it he already said wasn't true. So it makes me even more suspicious of him. He is just, he just continues to make Mickey's life more difficult you know that he wanted this case it was the high profile case and it's just such a mess the first lawyer's dead we don't know if Trevor murdered him or someone completely different people are disappearing like Bruce Carlin that worked on the case for a little bit it's it's just yeah he's just a mess and and you know so I think he had a big impact on the episode because Mickey is just that's where he was at the end trying struggling trying to find something that yeah. will make this work trying to find a defense you know and he does end up finding a connection or two cases that are from the same day that's possibly could be related we still don't know what it could be but that's still not much to go on I mean, he still hasn't figured it out he's just he's really he's just putting Mickey through the ringer so I mean I guess he's used to having difficult clients but yeah, this guy's a whole nother level. Yeah, he's not just difficult. He's eccentric. He's he's an oddball. Yeah, he's, he's gonna be a tough cookie. Well, he just you know he almost even scoffed at the idea that Mickey said, "Don't drive this on to trial, this car." You know, it's just like right, very obviously very egocentric, and it's all about him. Oh, I should be on the stand. Oh, like you're not the attorney. You don't know what's what's right and what's good and helpful. So yeah, he's he's a handful. So, so he was my, my second pick because he definitely had an impact on the episode. All right. I got a couple of trivia questions for you. I think these are reasonable. And I know I shouldn't say that because that kind of sets you up. Yeah. That just means I'm a bigger <laughs> idiot when I get them wrong. That's cool. That's cool. So know, glad I said you were a good friend. <laughs> it's coming back to bite me already. Take it all back. All right. <laughs> Kim Wagstaff. What yes. day of the week is Kim's thesis defense? She has to defend her thesis on Friday. What? Friday. That is correct. Friday. <laughs> Was it totally a guess? One in seven chance and I got it. <laughs> yeah. All right. Second one. Yes. What is the name of the insurance company where, where Carol Dubois works yeah. on it? Oh, man. Maybe she owns it. I don't know. But what's the name of it? Uh, doesn't it start with an M? Mm-hmm. I don't know. Think about I, the beach. Malibu. I, I don't, I really, I don't There's three know. words. <laughs> Malibu Shores Insurance. You, you, you had it on the tip of your tongue. I'd say you just had it there on the tip of your tongue. You just needed a little prodding. Like I could see like the sign in my head, but I can't right. see the words on it. I just right. knew M. Yeah. Dang it. Dang. Not too bad. Not too shabby. You got the first one. Did you uh, have any trivia for me or? I have one. Okay. Let's go back to the taco scene. Okay. Okay. What jersey number is she wearing? For some reason, I'm thinking 17 or 33. Uh, no, 11. <laughs> 11. 11. 11. 
Dang, you're good. You're good. I I only noticed it for sure because that's that was Libby's number for the longest time. So. Oh, okay, okay. All right. Well, I think that's about it for episode three of the Lincoln Lawyer. We've got some an interview with some more questions with Ted that we're including with the podcast tonight. So stay tuned for those. Hope it's some helpful information. I think it's always interesting to get a scoop directly from the showrunner, also the writer of this episode, you know, the man sure. with the plan. So to that's speak. right. That's right. <laughs> so, so stay tuned. That's going to be some good stuff for you. And we will be back with more. See ya. Um, see ya. And now it's time to hear from Ted Humphrey, showrunner, writer, and developer on The Lincoln Lawyer on Netflix. Hey there, how are you? I'm doing well, thank you. Just for folks who aren't as familiar with a grand jury, when do you use a grand jury? What types of situations? In California, very rarely. It's very unusual. No, I'm not, just to be clear, I am not admitted to the California bar. I was admitted to the Maryland, Virginia, and Washington, D.C. bars uh, a long time ago. Different states have different ways of doing things. Some states, you know, almost every crime uh, at a felony level, at least, is, is indicted by a grand jury or many of them. Okay. In California, almost none. It's usually done by complaint, which is the more common way to do it. Most places nowadays. The reason you would use a grand jury and the reason why she's using the grand jury is to be secretive. Um, If you don't want the target of, if you want to return an indictment or get, build an investigation against somebody without them knowing that you're doing doing it because you have a fear that they're going to flee the country or destroy evidence or something, that is one reason why you would use grand jury. Okay. Okay. And who actually makes up that grand jury versus a trial jury? Well, the same, the same pool of people. I mean, it's great grand juries as they exist everywhere in the country, including the federal level, are made up of regular citizens who get called for jury duty. It's just grand uh-huh. jury duty. Yeah. It's, okay. a, it's a more onerous or can be a more onerous thing than regular jury duty because grand jurors typically sit for a period of time, like say a month. Oh, so wow. if you get called for grand jury duty, you're going to be there for a month. You know? Yeah. So, yeah. Okay. Okay. Interesting. Well, as moving in sort of some questions about episode three, at this point, we've seen Terrell, we meet Kim Wagstaff. Are we going to see some of these regulars? Hopefully, if we get a season two, are they going to become regulars? You know, like they, they seem to have, some of them already have had a relationship with Mickey before, it sounds like, and, and then some are new. But these, like, I don't know, smaller cases, shorter cases, whatever you want to call them, are we going to... Is it a good chance we're going to see some of these characters pop up again? Absolutely. Um, okay, our, I like it. It's our intention that, you know, to build a little repertory, uh, it, it much, uh, if you watched The Good Wife, very different show, but the way we, we kept using the same judges over and over again, and they had their okay. own personalities and stuff. Yeah. You know, it's definitely our intention to bring these people back in different ways, Sam Scales and, and Troll Coleman and maybe Wagstaff and, you know, certain other people that you see throughout this show okay okay very cool maybe maybe in some bigger ways who knows all right well you gave me a great segue into my next question i i was struck that the judges um had unique personalities and were often funny is that something that's good for television or just like any body any person they have their own personality are you going to see some of that playfulness or joking in the courtroom from a judge in real life, you mean? In real life, yes, yeah, sorry. Oh, yeah, sure. Yeah. Um, you know, judges are like anybody else. You have, they yeah. all have different personalities. Look, they're not, most of them don't, I mean, on, on the on the Good Wife, we really created these very fully formed 
characters that had very, in some cases, very distinctive personalities and very distinctive quirks and uh-huh. yeah. hair, play one of them and whatnot. Yes, you're, you're going to see that in real life, but obviously it's very good for TV show and horror movie. Oh, yeah, yeah. Definitely. It helps to just make the, you know, courtroom scenes can get a little dry if you don't live. Sure, sure. Yeah. No, I, I definitely enjoyed it. 